it's time for the sports news for Monday, October 10, 2022. And your reader today is Richard Lucas. As a reminder, Radio Eye is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. And the featured article on page 1B of the Lexington Herald Leader is under commentary entitled, It's Not Time for the Panic Button on UK Football Just Yet by John Clay. You're ready, right? You've seen enough. The fumbles, the bad snaps, the missed field goals, the sacks, all those sacks. If you're a Kentucky football fan in the middle of a two-game losing streak, you're not just ready to hit the panic button, you're ready to stand on it. In the words of the late, great Kaywood Ledford, hold the phone. Yes, Kentucky's 24-14 loss to visiting South Carolina on Saturday at Kroger Field was a letdown. Head coach Mark Stoops seemed more disappointed than angry. But let's not fold the tailgate tent on this 2022 season just yet. After all, the Cats were minus Will Levis on Saturday. You remember him, right? The quarterback? Not just a potential first-round NFL draft pick, but possibly first pick overall. The team's leader. The Cats' heart and soul. Out with a foot-slash-toe injury, Levis spent Saturday night walking around in a boot chatting up South Carolina coach Shane Beamer in the pregame warm-ups before coaching up his replacement redshirt freshman Kaya Sharon during the game. Life without Levis was not pretty. Did we expect it to be otherwise? Since today, backup quarterback Bo Allen placed his name in the transfer portal, UK's nightmare scenario involved a Levis injury. Saturday night, nightmare became reality. For his first college start, Sharon turned in a decent performance. I thought he did some pretty good things when he had time, Stoop said, but he's not Will Levis. Here's what was disappointing Saturday. Just when Stoops needed his team to rise up, it looked deflated and defeated. In the previous week's 22-19 loss at Ole Miss, the Cats were competitive but mistake-prone. Saturday, they were mistake-prone. The fumble that spotted South Carolina's 7-0 lead 13 seconds into the game. A block punt. A missed field goal. Kentucky's defense reversed course. The first half, Brad White's men allowed the Gamecocks all of 90 yards. They claimed the football via fumble after the block punt. For the second straight week, they intercepted a pass in the final minute of the first half. Last week, it was Jacquez Jones. This week, Trayvon Wallace. The second half was different. The first five games, UK allowed a grand total of 15 second-half points. Saturday, it allowed 17. We've got to be better, White said. We've got to do a good job of providing that assistance for a first-time starter. Regardless of who is under center, Rich Gangarello's offense continues its will spinning. Minus the pick six at Florida and UK's offense has produced 52 points in three conference games. It now ranks 99th nationally in total offense, 81st in yards per play. Chris Rodriguez did rush for 126 yards on 22 attempts. With the Cats playing catch-up, however, Rodriguez was limited to six second-half carries. Give South Carolina credit. Having lost seven of the last straight to Kentucky, the Gamecocks were due. They were 0-5 against Stoops in Lexington. They had circled this matchup. With Levis out, they were ready to pounce, and pounce they did. To be sure, the Cats are banged up. Starting right offensive tackle Jeremy Flax didn't play Saturday. Jacquez Jones is out indefinitely. Receivers Tavion Robinson and Dane Key were both hurt near game's end. Then there's Levis, the main man. 
He told the SEC Network crew in pregame that he would be back this Saturday for Mississippi State. That's right, another top 25 team is next up on UK's to-do list. No rest for the weary. Mike Leach's Bulldogs are 5-1. Then, after a much-needed off week, Kentucky travels to Tennessee. At 5-0, the Vols are on fire. Get this, some are predicting that Tennessee might actually be favored when Alabama comes to Knoxville next Saturday. No one is going to feel sorry for us, Stoop said afterward. Nor should they. It's life in the SEC. Eat or be eaten. Deal with it. And so must the Cats. A promising Kentucky football season might be on the brink. The faithful might be mashing down on that panic button. Me? My hand might be hovering over that button, but I'm not quite ready to push it. Another article beginning on page 1B of the Lexington Herald-Leader is entitled, Levis Injury. Kentucky QB aims to play versus Mississippi State by John Hale. It is unlikely anyone needed Kentucky's 24-14 loss to South Carolina to know that star quarterback Will Levis was essential to the Wildcats' chances of a special season. But just in case there were any lingering doubts, the failure of the offense to mount any consistent scoring threat while Levis watched from the sideline offered clear evidence. Now, the question is how much longer the projected first-round NFL draft pick will miss. I'm not sure, Kentucky coach Mark Stoops said after the loss when asked if Levis would only miss one game. It's been day-to-day, and it's day-to-day, so I can't tell you how that's going to respond. Levis at least sounded more optimistic about his return, telling the SEC network crew before the game he should be ready to go for next week's game against number 23 Mississippi State. Following the Bulldogs' 40-17 blowout of Arkansas, it certainly seems improbable that the offense Kentucky displayed without Levis would be capable of scoring enough to hang with Mississippi State coach Mike Leach's air raid offense if he cannot play. Redshirt freshman quarterback Kaya Sharon, who had not attempted a pass in a college game before Saturday, actually held his own for most of his first career start. The Kentucky game plan made it clear coaches did not trust Sharon to bring the same big play threat to the offense as Levis or the much-aligned offensive line to protect him long enough for downfield passes to open. Sharon completed 15 of 27 passes for 178 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. But 114 of those passing yards and one touchdown came on a late fourth-quarter drive with the outcome already decided. At the end of the three quarters, Sharon had completed just 6 of 10 passes for 63 yards. Will can do things that I can't, Sharon said, acknowledging the game plan was more conservative with him at quarterback. He's a very talented guy. First round draft pick, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinions. Even though Stoops and offensive coordinator Rich Scangarello went out of their way to account for Sharon's inexperience, the former Somerset High School star might have done enough to escape with a victory if not for the mistakes around him. Kentucky's first play from scrimmage was a disaster when a pitch from running back Chris Rodriguez to wide receiver Barian Brown was deflected by a South Carolina defender. The Gamecocks recovered the fumble on Kentucky's two-yard line and scored the first touchdown of the game on the next play. Special teams miscues returned with a block punt and a missed field goal. Freshman wide receivers Dane Key and Barian Brown both dropped passes that hit them in the hands on two of the few attempts of any distance from Sharon. Kentucky was flagged for five false start penalties. Just really didn't ever find a rhythm, probably, Scangarello said. You want to take shots down the field. 
but you're concerned with protection and different things at times. You don't want to make a mistake. The defense is playing really good in the first half, so you felt like they were in the game. You were willing to be conservative with the young player. That's how it played out. We missed some opportunities on third down. Dropped ball. Assignment mistake in protection. It was really just not good. If Levis can return to the field for Kentucky's game against Mississippi State, there is hope some of those issues can be fixed by the, his elite arm talent alone. But it's not like Kentucky's offense was running at full capacity even with Levis at quarterback. The Wildcats entered the weekend ranked 126th of 131 teams nationally in sacks allowed. Then they surrendered six more sacks to a South Carolina team that had recorded just four sacks in its first five games. Scangarello has spoken repeatedly this season about the need for Levis to avoid unnecessary hits in order to prolong his career. But no fix for Kentucky's protection issues appears to be coming. Stoops did not elaborate on Levis's injury other than to say it involved his foot. Earlier Saturday during college game day, ESPN reporter Pete Thamel said the injury was turf toe, but UK has not confirmed that diagnosis. If less of us is already dealing with one foot injury that appears to require rest to heal, how long can Kentucky count on him to be on the field if he continues to be sacked at least three times per game? Levis also dislocated the middle finger on his non-throwing hand during the Ole Miss game, but that injury did not require surgery. I have to own it. Evaluate in every way, Scangarello said of the protection issues. You've got to be better at it. It's hard to drop back and throw if the pocket is on top of you or the quarterback doesn't move up in the pocket when they give him good protection, which I thought happened tonight as well. Levis and other players were quick to note all their preseason goals remained on the table after the loss at Ole Miss a week ago. The South Carolina defeat does not technically eliminate UK from the SEC East race, but it puts those hopes on life support with Tennessee and Georgia both still undefeated in SEC play. Stoops admitted that the hangover from the Ole Miss loss might have contributed to the listless performance against South Carolina despite a week spent trying to avoid that scenario. With Mississippi State next week, followed by an off week, and then a trip to Tennessee, Kentucky must now worry about a once-promising season spiraling out of control quickly. You take this feeling, Rodriguez said. Do you want to feel like this next week? Especially when you know you're the better team? You don't want to feel like that. It ain't a good feeling. Levis returning to the field appears essential to Kentucky avoiding a disastrous finish to the season but the need for him to play does not change his recovery timetable. I'm not trying to play any games with anybody, Stoops said. It's an injury that when he can play, he will play. Levis was not the only Wildcat missing against South Carolina. Linebacker Jacquez Jones and right tackle Jeremy Flax also missed the game. Starting wide receivers Tavion Robinson and Key picked up injuries in the second half and did not return. The mounting injury list makes it less likely Levis can fix Kentucky's problems on his own. But the South Carolina loss proved Kentucky can't fix those problems without him. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you, Stoops said. We've got to get back up. I told them, challenge them, get in the ice cube, get in the training room, get healed up, and we've got to get back at it. We play a really good football team coming in next week, and we have to regroup, and we have to get back to who we are. Also beginning on page 1B of the Herald-Leader, Golden Powell pads his resume with another Turf Stakes win by Cameron Drummond.
The richest day of the 2022 Keeneland fall meet came and went on a sunshine splash Saturday as a famous Lexington race course held an 11 race card that featured five stakes races. Of those five stakes races, three of them were win and you're in events for the Breeders' Cup with the winners receiving an automatic starting position and free entry into the corresponding race at Keeneland in November. Also among the five stakes races was the richest race of the entire fall meet, the grade one, $1 million cool mile turf mile. Here's what went down on Saturday at Keeneland, including a dominant day for one trainer jockey pairing across both a fast main track and firm turf course, Golden Powell. He just unbelievable. In Saturday's first stakes race, Golden Powell continued his impressive Keeneland form with a victory in the Grade Two, $350,000 Woodford. Trained by Wesley Ward and ridden by Irad Ortiz Jr., Golden Powell is now undefeated in four Keeneland turf starts, all of them stakes races. Every time he runs, I get kind of nervous because he's so exceptional, Ward said after the race. We're real excited now to get on to the Breeders' Cup. We got our prep into him here on his home track at Keeneland, and 28 days from now, we'll be ready to roll. Golden Powell covered the five and a half furlongs on a firm turf course in a stakes record one minute, 1.39 seconds. Golden Powell's win on Saturday, which came in stake. Golden Powell's win on Saturday was also a title defense. He also won the Woodford last year. Golden Powell's four Keeneland wins have come in the Woodford, twice, Breeders' Cup, Juvenile Turf Sprint, and the Shakertown. It's just like any other great athlete in any sport. Of all the horses I've ever trained, and fast ones, he's just unbelievable. Just an extreme talent, Ward added. The athleticism he has, he's just like a cat when he moves for such a big colt. He's got a brilliant mind to him as well. I really look forward to what he's going to be as a stallion. He's so smart in a barn, so quick and agile. I really look forward to his babies here. In the second stakes race of the day, the Phillies slammed won the grade two $350,000 Thoroughbred Club of America. It was her ninth win in 12 career starts, and it also earned a spot in the grade one $1 million Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint to be run November 5 at Keeneland. While Golden Powell is a Keeneland regular, the win could serve to be a breakout moment for Slammed in Kentucky. Seven of Slammed's previous eight wins came in state red races in New Mexico. In Italian wins another first lady for Brown. The last time an Italian ran in July, she set a new turf course record at Saratoga Racecourse in New York. On Saturday, that speed was on display again in a victory in the grade one, 750,000 first lady. Ridden by Joel Rosario and trained by Chad Brown, in Italian held off another Chad Brown horse, Regal Glory, for the win. Brown has won the First Lady six times, including the last five editions. Three winners of the First Lady have gone on to win the Grade 1 Breeders' Cup Philly and Mayor Turf, including another Brown-trained horse, Day at the Spa, in 2014. Fletcher Ortiz Jr. doubled down. The standout moments from Saturday stakes racing at Keeneland came with two victories from the trainer and jockey duo of Todd Fletcher and Irad Ortez Jr. The pairing furs combined to win the Grade 1, $600,000 Claybird Breeders Futurity with Fort before winning the richest race of the entire fall meet, the Grade 1, 
$1 million Cool Moor Turf Mile with Annapolis. The victory in the Claiborne Breeders Futurity was Todd Fletcher's third in the race, and fourth, who has now won three of his four career starts, has a spot in the grade one $2 million FanDuel Breeders' Cup Juvenile to be run November 4 at Keeneland. The win in the Coolmore Turf Mile for the three-year-old Annapolis, who went off at 6-1 to one odds, earned the horse a fees-paid berth in the 39th running of the grade one $2 million FanDuel Breeders' Cup Mile, which will be run November 5. It was Pletcher's second win in the Turf Mile. Among the horses that Annapolis bested in the Turf Mile was second place Ivor, who won this race in 2020, and third place Order of Australia, who won the 2020 Breeders' Cup Mile. The winning time of 1 minute 33.29 seconds for Annapolis set a stakes race record for the Keeneland Turf Course. Keeneland also reported a fall meet record of $1,431,736 for the Pick 5 on Saturday. And the featured article on page 1B of the Louisville Courier-Journal is entitled Draft Dreams, subtitle Wimbayama Henderson projected to be top two picks in 2023 by Jeff Zilgit, USA Today. The NBA season hasn't even started, and the Victor Wambayana Scoot Henderson 2023 draft sweepstakes is the top topic. The projected top two picks in the June draft played again on Thursday with Wimbayama of the Metropolitans, 92, going for 36 points, 11 rebounds, and four blocks but the Ignites Henderson left the game after just five minutes played with a minor knee problem in the second of the two-game exhibition series in Henderson, Nevada. The Metropolitans won 112-106 to 106, two days after Wimbayama's 37 points, seven three-pointers and four blocks, and Henderson's 28 points, nine assists, and five rebounds in Tuesday's 122-115 to 115 Ignite victory. With so much hype around the matchup, more than 100 scouts in attendance. Game televised by ESPN2, it's impossible not to look ahead to the next draft and consider which teams will be in position to select Wimbayama and Henderson, both just 18 years old. At his height, he's listed between 7'2 and 7'5, depending on where you look. And with his wingspan, 7'9, Wimbayama is a shot blocker who can protect the paint defend shooters on the perimeter, and collect defensive rebounds. Offensively, he is a mobile pick-and-roll player who slips to the basket for easy dunks. Henderson, a 6'2 guard, is an explosive runner and leaper. He's effective in the open court with or without the ball. He can take it to the rim himself or catch alley-oop passes from teammates. He also uses defense, steals, rebounds, to create offense in transition. The NBA implemented draft lottery reform in 2019 in an attempt to reduce tanking or, as NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said at the time, lottery reform was important because there was a perception in many of our communities that the best path to rebuilding their teams was to race to the bottom. The three highest lottery seeds each have a 14% chance of getting the top pick compared to 25% for the team with the worst record. 19.9% for the team with the second-worst record, and 15.6% for the team with the third-worst record in the lottery system used from 2005 to 2018. However, the three worst teams seeded 1-2-3 in the draft lottery also have a 
percent chance to get a top two pick. I know that many of our NBA teams are salivating at the notion that potentially through our lottery that they could get him. So they should all still compete very hard next season. Silver said Thursday. Another article beginning on page 1B of the Courier-Journal is under UofL football, entitled Takeaways, Doman, Cards Beat Virginia by Alex Cuban, Charlottesville, Virginia. On multiple occasions, ACC Network college football analyst Merrick McLean has called Louisville the team of mystery. The Cardinals, for many, have been hard to figure out. That proved to be the case again Saturday when the Cardinals were without starting quarterback Malik Cunningham who makes up the bulk of the team's offense production. With UofL seemingly in trouble and at risk of dropping a third straight game, the Cardinals shook off a slow start and thrived to a 34-17 win over Virginia at Scott Stadium. It's the team's first ACC win of the season, and the Cardinals, 3-3, 1-3ACC, avoided a 0-4 start to conference play heading into next week's bye. Guys stepped up when we needed to. Louisville head coach Scott Satterfield said, Our backs were against the wall. Today, we're 0 for whatever in ACC play. We're going on the road. All the negativity. And we got all these backups. Then they came out and played a great game. I just think you can't say enough about our resiliency of our guys, and I'm really proud of the way they came out and finished this game. Backup quarterback Brock Doman, in his first start, threw for 275 yards, ran for 71 and produced two touchdowns, one passing and one rushing. The, the ground game tied a season high for attempts and churned out tough yards, and the defense smothered UVA's ground game, allowing just six yards on 25 attempts on a day when the front seven produced six sacks against Cavaliers starting QB Brennan Armstrong. The last time the Cardinals have had such a dominant defense performance in a game was September 2017, when they gave up just 19 to Murray State. The win comes during a week of heavy speculation about Satterfield's job status. An ESPN story about the half-dozen coaching vacancies around the nation speculated Satterfield could be out if the Cardinals return to Louisville with a four-straight ACC loss, although a WDRB report later refuted that. Here are three takeaways from a crucial conference road win Saturday. Next, Doman up. Louisville was without three starters, Saturday in Cunningham, running back Tian Evans and safety Kendrick Duncan, Brock Doman, Jawar Jordan, and M.J. Griffin, respectively, started in their places. Doman got off to a slow start but settled in and threw for 124 yards in the second quarter. He had his first career touchdown on a perfectly executed fake handoff, going 44 yards into the end zone, completely untouched to tie the game at 10 at the 7 minute 51 second mark of the second quarter. The good stuff didn't start happening until the second quarter for us, Satterfield said. The first quarter was not very good at all, offensively and defensively, but our guys settled down in the second quarter. We started making some plays. We battled back in it and they did a great job. Doman finished 17 of 30 for 275 yards, a touchdown and two picks and he carried the ball nine times for 71 yards and a touchdown. His 7.9 yards rushing led the Cardinals' ground game, which finished with 46 attempts and 198 yards. A QB kneel in the final seconds is all that prevented the Cardinals from producing a fourth game with 40-plus carries and 200-plus yards. Even though Jordan Starden 
Heat and Travion Cooley shared the majority of the rushing load with the twos switching off on drives. Neither were exceptionally explosive with the longest run being Cooley's 13-yarder a little more than midway through the third quarter to start the team's third series of the second half. It ended with Cooley scoring on a one-yard run, increasing UofL's lead to 27-17. Jordan finished with 11 carries, 29 yards, and a score, and Cooley led the running backs with 18 touches, 77 yards, and a TD. The score came off the heels of Griffin picking off Virginia quarterback Brennan Armstrong. Griffin finished the game with five tackles, four solo. Virginia's Armstrong. Even though Armstrong isn't having the same kind of year he did in 2021, the quarterback is still a threat through the air. He averaged 12.3 yards per completion and produced the Cavaliers' first touchdown on a 40-yard pass to Dontavion Wicks at the 6-minute, 42-second mark of the first quarter following an interception from Anthony Johnson, a former Cardinal. Armstrong and the Cavaliers' receiving group hit a low point in the second quarter when they were held to just 13 yards. Jarvis Brownlee also picked off Armstrong, which set up James Turner's 20-yard field goal for the Cardinals at the end of the first half. Armstrong's favorite target of the day was Katian Johnson, who was targeted 13 times and made nine catches for 98 yards. Armstrong finished the day 24 of 34 for 313 yards, a touchdown, and two picks but the UofL defense hounded him into six sacks by six different players. Brownlee said there were some changes made to the defense this week, in part attributed to Satterfield moving over to help more on the defensive side of the ball. The Cardinals' fourth-year head coach said Tuesday that, moving forward, he would spend more time with that unit. The hope was that his offense-first mindset would help the group be more successful. We probably came into this week running less man unless we had to, Brownlee said. We just came into the game and just knowing that the game was going to fall on us and that we knew we can't give no deep balls up. I think this week, Coach Stat, when he came over here, it was just part if the safety pulls a man in post, stay in the post. If the corner has deep third, stay in deep third. So that's what it was all about. It was all about trust and not giving up deep balls. Louisville football breathes a sigh of relief. Looks forward to buy. After a disappointing 0-3 start to conference action, the Cardinals went on the road and picked up a much-needed win against the Cavaliers team that's still looking for an ACC victory. Where UofL has fallen apart in the fourth quarter in previous games, the team held strong and outscored Virginia 7-0. When the Cavaliers got down to 4th and 1 from the Louisville 5-yard line, at the 8-minute, 11-second juncture of the fourth quarter, Cardinal safety Josh Minkins made the game-scoring stop to force a turnover on downs. The initial ruling was that Virginia had picked up a first down, but the call was overturned after review. From there, Louisville ran the clock out without making any costly mistakes. Louisville can now go into the bye week with confidence and momentum in preparation for a back-loaded final stretch of the season, starting with a tough home game against Pittsburgh. This wraps it up for the sports news from the Lexington Herald-Leader and the Louisville Courier-Journal for Monday, October 10, 2022. Your reader for today has been Richard Lucas. Thank you for listening, and now please stay tuned for continued programming on Radio I.